Intro music for today's podcast is by Vocal with a K. If you should wake to a man-dead world, where virtually all human life had been dissolved from the face of the earth, leaving behind only buildings, bridges, machines, if you should awake to such a world tomorrow morning, what would you do? Where would you go? Uh, okay, well, uh, welcome to the Zingword Podcast. Uh, this is your host, Robert Rogi. We are back after a long absence of, uh, of the podcast uh, because we had temporarily misplaced our podcasting gear. Uh, but uh, the good news is that we are back. Uh, we have new podcasting gear, including a computer that does not have a fan on it, so there's no fan sound in the background. Um, which is great. And uh, right, so let's get started. So we're here with uh, Natalie Toledo from Localize Chile. Uh, it's localizechile.cl, right? Right, yeah. Cool, cool. And, uh, and we're here today to talk about translation and, uh, and uh, SEO uh, in particular, but uh, also uh, we're talking about moving apartments and uh, Chile and Santiago and all kinds of stuff. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Very okay. glad to be on the podcast. Cool. Cool. So uh, so let's kick things off then where kind of where we just left off before we hit the record button. Um, so you're moving apartments, but you're moving within Santiago, Chile. So it's Within like... Santiago. Right. That's where the stuff happens here in Chile, at least. Cool. Cool. And uh, is it a cool new apartment uh, that you're moving to? Like, are you are you happy about uh, it? Or? Yeah, I'm very happy. It's an old apartment, and it has uh, a very strange um, like architecture, uh, and it's very interesting. It's like a ship. I don't know for me at least. It's bigger. Also, I have a cat, so that's cool for him. Very cool. What uh, do you mean by it's like a ship? I don't know. It's like uh, the distribution, maybe. It's like a ship. It's like very long. Right, right. Is it like, yeah. is the building on a corner or something? And it's like... Yeah, um, it's on a corner. And I've never lived in a place like that before. Right, So right. I'm very excited. Yeah, I had an apartment like that once um, in Barcelona. And it was a big round building. And uh, it was round oh, nice. and it was right on the corner. And it had that ship shape. Uh, I know exactly what you mean. So, yeah, for me, it's very strange because I was used to like living in these uh, new buildings, mm -hmm. uh, which are very like small and they have like precise spaces for everything. Yeah. So, and this one is like messy. Right, right. <laughs> it's like very strange. So I really liked it. All right. Well, that's cool. Um, yeah. So it's, I, I bet it's got cool old windows and old doors and stuff. Yeah, very old doors. It has like two balconies uh, okay. on different sides. So that's cool. Nice. It's new. So yeah, I'm very I'm very happy about it. Cool, cool. And you're joining us today from a from a cafe, right? And uh, and yeah, I guess from the a place yeah, Viña, Viña del Mar. It's like a city uh, on the coast. Right. Uh, yeah, it's like one hour and a half from Santiago, so it's not very far. Right. So yeah. 
Well, it's gonna be a little bit noisy, like I said, but yeah, no, that's okay. It it provides uh, what do they call that production value? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Cool, cool. Well, count me jealous. Uh, That sounds yeah. They're playing like I don't know uh, Brazilian music right now. (laughs) Cool, cool. It's very like cheerful. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, perfect place to talk about translation. Uh, Oh yeah. <laughs> All right, so so let's start then with um, why why don't you tell us stuff about like localized localized Chile and you know what you're doing and um, how you got into translations and let let's start with the overall. Well, I've been story. a translator for many years now. Yep. And at the end of last year, after a long trip, I decided to start uh, my own company with a partner, a colleague mm-hmm. uh, from the university. Uh, so we started a company at the beginning of this year, which was localized Chile, uh, and everything was good until uh, I think uh, August maybe of this year because the partnership didn't uh, go very well. Mm. So we split, uh, but localized Chile uh, still living, so yep. it didn't affect much and. The aim of the company basically is like to provide localization services, transcreation services uh, for Latin America, Spanish, and Chilean Spanish mm-hmm. mainly, uh, because it's something that is not uh, very known here in Chile, at least. It's it's very new. Right. Right. Most most uh, translators here work on technical areas. A lot of technical areas like Mm -hmm. mining stuff like that Mm -hmm. Uh, but uh, things related to like marketing are not very familiar here not very known so that's what i wanted to do sorry yeah no you can Uh, do you get a lot of um a lot of like translated things there that are actually translated into like uh like Mexican Spanish or uh, Spanish, Spain Spanish, or um, not a lot of stuff for marketing that's actually for Chile. Now, like there's a boom, you could say, uh, of request or for Chilean Spanish, like specific type of Spanish or Latin American Spanish, for example. Right. Uh, Mex- Mexican Spanish is always going to be something very huge, like on the market but mm-hmm. I do not really know much about that because I don't work with that mm-hmm. uh, but yeah for Latin American Spanish is very requested right now because companies are are like worrying about uh, using the specific type of Spanish like for each client mm-hmm. stuff like that so yeah it's a very huge thing right now here in Latin America at least right right yeah, you know, uh, so I read um, the Detectivo Salvajes, you know, by Roberto Bologno. Bologno. Um, Bologno. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> um, <laughs> Chilean Spanish is uh, like, so I had the book in Spanish. You know, I speak Spanish, but I learned Spanish in oh, Spain. Okay. Um, oh, it's very different then. Yeah, so different. And uh, <laughs> we were, I remember we were on this road trip. It was like an eight-hour road trip, you know, and... Uh, and I'm, I have like a little pocket dictionary. You know, I speak pretty good Spanish, but I brought this pocket dictionary because I noticed that there was like a lot of words in there that I didn't know. 
Um, right. And then, so we're in this road trip. I'm reading, you know, Roberto Bolaño. And, uh, okay, I look this word up in my dictionary. It is not in there, you know. So I ask everyone in the car. <laughs> I'm like, and they're all Sp- Spanish, Spanish. And I'm like, hey, uh, what's this mean? They're like, what's that? You know, and uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I actually had to give it up. I had to read it in English because, <laughs> like, there was, yeah, yeah, it was really, yeah, it was impossible. Uh, it was impossible. I would have needed a, a Chilean dictionary, um, right? Yeah, and I, yeah, so it's yeah. definitely no, it's different. very, <laughs> it's very different. Uh, like starting like grammatically, yeah, the use of the verbs is different, right? Uh, and well, we have like tons of modisms that you wouldn't understand if, you know, if, if you don't have the proper explanation from a Chilean person. Yeah. Right, right. But, yeah, and, and usually in Latin America, uh, we use a lot of modisms. Every country have has like a specific uh, vocabulary. Yeah. Like if you go to Argentina, they have like their own vocabulary that you wouldn't understand maybe or not all of them. So... Right, right. Yeah, it's very funny. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, well, it's good to hear that that people are starting to localize more stuff into um, you know, the specific yeah, countries. That's one of the reasons, you know, marketing in here used to be very conservative. Right. Like before, but right now they're using a lot of modisms, so I think that's a big part of it, like why they're interesting so much mm. on localizing cool cool well it's nice that you're uh you know in business during this time of uh, of booming uh uh so that's good i hope you're get, starting to get in a little bit on the on the boom <laughs> oh i hope so yeah yeah I, so t- <laughs> yeah well you know don't yeah. worry about the partners thing like that happens uh it can happen to to anybody you know like uh like i have i have partners in zingword they're awesome uh, you know, in my previous business, uh, my partners were pretty good, but, uh, you know, at some point we did have some, some issues. I, I think it's just, uh, it, it's so hit or miss, you know, like, um, you, it's yeah, impossible no, to know. It, yeah. It depends also like on the timing, maybe, mm-hmm. uh, like, well, every person lives different lives and timing for me is very important. I think that that was the issue with my partner. Right, right. It's like maybe if it had been a couple of years earlier or later. Right, probably. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, you know, relationships are the same way. Yeah. It's yeah. like, uh, you know, they always say like your business partners is like being married to them or whatever. And um, I, I would yeah. say it's pretty much pretty much just like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is like in every type of I don't know uh, relationship is like that. Yeah. Like even the smallest one is like it's the same. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, um, you know, just on the issue of partnerships and stuff. Uh, you know, in Zingward, I have two partners. So uh, one of them is uh, Korana, and she's a product designer. And the other is Yura, and he's a developer. And um, I, I think it's really nice to have uh, three, actually. So three? Like, yeah, it's nice. Is to, that the key number? Well, as long as your skills don't entirely overlap, um, you know. So, um, like, you wanna you wanna overlap everyone in some ways, and enough that like you can understand each other and you can share the same vision, right? Um, right. 
but having three people is really nice because you always have this what would you what would you call that almost like a lubricant um the third person you know like if you're talking to one person the other person is like it makes things easier somehow like i i don't know right like, uh, like somebody's got to play the moderator maybe or yeah kind of like, like that a different, a different yeah. view different view sometimes too you know just injecting a different view and um you know maybe maybe that view is right or maybe it's wrong but it it helps to just have one, a different one <laughs> yeah uh, yeah i agree i miss that actually because sometimes i get like too close to my thoughts <laughs> right right and i can't get out so that's that's difficult yeah yeah well um so yeah and that, well it's also another thing i guess just you know if you're one person i think that you know the problem a lot of translators run into is that um you know you it's hard to to sell like a lot i yeah. guess that it's a lot of translators by nature are um you know like to to sort of be with the work and be with the the language and you know getting out there and selling stuff isn't necessarily um what everyone loves to do um yeah it, it's hard to get used to that um, yeah like, it takes a lot of time also so yeah and a lot of self-learning and all that so right right and hobnobbing uh <laughs> Hobby, right. like going to uh those those business events or whatever um yeah i remember in my previous company doing those like going to these business breakfasts and business lunches and actually oh, yeah, i, I, I had a lot of, of those this yeah. year but i'm kind of tired right now because yeah. i'm not really sure if they really work or it's I, just like yeah i don't know i don't think they work no <laughs> they i guess they could um you know but uh yeah it maybe depends how much you like to talk to right 100 people yeah because <laughs> you have to be like very aggressive like yeah yeah when i go to these meetings like everybody's selling you like openly and yeah yeah they're not yeah. even sure if you're gonna buy something from them but they try to sell you so hard yeah, yeah. I, I I do not have the, that profile. For example, I, yeah. I'm not very aggressive. I don't like to be aggressive when I'm trying right. to offer something. So it's very difficult to compete. <laughs> totally, totally. Well, yeah. I hope um, you know my uh, I, uh, the, 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 at least you're out there. Actually, you know, because a, a lot of um, even if it doesn't work or whatever, it's I don't know. It's good to to try. You know, yeah. Eventually, something yeah. will work. So sure. sure. Well, yeah. I'm used yep. to being a freelancer, though, so it's not very um, different. And right. the difference now is that I have like a company name, maybe, <laughs> and that I have legal issues and I don't know, accounting yeah. issues, <laughs> something like that. Bigger accounting issues, but but it's pretty much the same as being a freelancer. Right, right. Um, and how how did you how have you been getting work in the past as a freelancer? Like, what's uh, what's been your your main method? My main main method, uh, like um, in translation websites like Bros, um, or using a lot of 
social network like mm-hmm. LinkedIn. LinkedIn has been like a huge uh, source of work for me. Mm. Uh, it's very very helpful. Although some people might think like it's not very helpful, but for me it's been. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, LinkedIn. I think it's been like a big source to find like direct clients or even agencies. So mm, that's good. It's been nice. Mm-hmm. I like LinkedIn too. If uh, you know how to use it, then it becomes like a powerful tool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of the key, isn't it? It's like if you know how to use it, because a lot of people, I think, uh, struggle to figure out like what what am I supposed to do with this LinkedIn? You know, um, yeah, everybody's yeah. there, and I can you can reach out and touch people on LinkedIn, kind of, but uh, but how? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the big question. Once you get used to it, and you like tune your profile and all of that. Uh, I think it gets easier. Yeah. Yeah, I get a lot of people reaching out to me all the time, too, uh, which is... I did. I yeah, did. <laughs> right, right, right. That's true. I That's true. And I was like, yeah. hey, let's get on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was very quick. Cool. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I, I think that in Zingward, uh, nobody's really seen yet what we're what we're working on, but we're we're really mm-hmm. i mean we're really really close yeah i mean we have some bugs to uh, to fix here but we're super close and uh but it's been holidays it's been this it's been that but i, I right. you know we have been really inspired by by linkedin a lot cuz uh you know we think that they've done pretty good with with their their profiles and the way that they're designed cuz you can have a profile in zingword too and uh you know, like if if you look at other sites like Upwork or, um, mm-hmm. you know, even more pros, you know, which is pro- the profiles on pros are kind of messy or whatever. Um, yeah, and it, the I don't know the how to say the layout mm-hmm. is like very old. It's like a vintage place. I don't know for me. In yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It is. It's, it is kind of kind of vintage. I mean, I I, I don't want to say bad things about the the competitors no, I, I guess but they because they've been there you know they were really early and uh and yeah. they they you know they sort of started uh, at the beginning which is kind of cool and oh, um, that's great. so but yeah it is it is also kind of vintage which uh you know it can retro is kind of in style sometimes so um yeah well you know in zingward i think that uh, it's nice that we have the data is uh, what you would call like structured you know, so mm-hmm. like if, for example, if you belong to an association, um, like it's it, the data is structured. So we then we know all the translators that belong to that association, for example, and you could search all the translators. Oh, okay. Yeah, stuff like that, you know, so like if because if, if your data is just sort of in tables, um, then it's not you can't really you use it to to suggest the right translators, if that makes any sense. Um, okay. Or to match people cool. with work. But uh, so so let's talk about SEO. And uh, so, you know, we spoke earlier, you've done a lot of, uh, you know, SEO translations, a lot of localizing websites, web copy. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess my first question, because I, you know, I also know quite a bit about SEO. Um, and, but my first question is, uh, how, like, what's, do you think is the best way to organize 
the SEO aspect of a website translation job? Like what's, how, like how the do process? you, yeah, yeah. Of the, particularly of the SEO component, like, um, you know, do you do the keywords, uh, first or do you translate and then do the keywords? Um, do you keep like a spreadsheet of all the keywords or like, what's, what's the best way? Uh, I think for me, there have been like two process. Uh, when I started with SEO, I like, I did like the backwards, uh, process. I translated first and then I did, uh, the research mm-hmm. or optimize the site, which I don't think it's a very good approach because you have to double check everything. Mm-hmm. I think the best approach would be to analyze, do a good research, uh, of the market, uh, keyword research and then translate a website, like mm-hmm. then localize it. I think that's the best approach. It, it has worked better for me at least. Right, right. Uh, do, a, do a good research first of everything, every yeah. piece of information you can get. Right, so you have your 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 page, like a, like a URL, and then you would have like the source keyword, and then you would have the, the target keywords. Uh, and then any uh, any other information that that's required for the for the translator yeah and also spy spy i think uh to spy the competition i mean right is uh a very good approach too like you have to incorporate that too yeah yeah right that's interesting you can also incorporate that into the selection of the keywords themselves right like um you know maybe uh, maybe like a keyword in another language is super competitive and uh yeah and you can't get that one so maybe you're like okay you know for this keyword instead of choosing the sort of the keyword that translates from this other one we're gonna just kind of alter this page and go after this other keyword which has less competition because i don't think we can win on that other big one Uh, yeah you can decide better with that for me it has worked better at least so just buy a lot before yeah. making a decision yeah yeah um yeah you know i write uh i've written a lot of seo content too and and it's funny because my my seo procedure you know for copywriting is usually uh first like i would structure the the, the pages so like uh-huh. these are these are the pages and these are the keywords per page um but then usually i write the content without thinking about keywords at all uh, and then I and then I go back through every page and then add to in optimize. the keywords. Yeah, mm. yeah, that's always yeah. been my process because I find if I write the if I if I'm trying to write the keywords on the first pass, sometimes I can write stuff that I that I feels wrong to me. Right. Makes... Yeah. It depends on what you're like uh, writing or translating, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think exactly. for translation. Maybe the research and then translating process works better. But if you're like writing content, yeah, mm-hmm. it's different. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, think your process makes very, the most like, sense. Natural. Yeah. So, so then, uh, is there any technology or any particular facet of the technology used to translate websites that helps you with SEO? Like, uh, do you like have tools? Yeah, yeah, and any particular way to use those tools that's that helps you out? Well, I mainly use like the free tools that Google provides, mm-hmm. like um, 
well, AdWords with the keyword, uh, what's the name? The keyword research? No, keyword planner, I think it's called. Yeah, they change the uh, name of it every so often. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> very confused. But it's the AdWords tools, right? Keyword right. planner, which other the um, Google Trends also, I use yeah. it. Right. Uh, and sometimes, uh, sometimes the Google Keyword Planner tool doesn't show the monthly searches anymore. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was reading about that last week. Yeah, it's that, a bit tricky. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, they started doing that like a year ago already, I think. But it wasn't on all the accounts that they started doing it, and uh, but I noticed it on our account, and I was like, oh man, I'm so glad I did the keyword research for Zingword before. Because you know, we have like 400 keywords or something, and I'm like, man, if I would have waited, <laughs> uh, not not having that information is really messed up, you know. Like, how it, man, it's like impossible actually to not have that information, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I imagine. But well, the browser itself, google.com, is a of course, it's a very good tool, also, yeah, it's a basic tool, but See you have to use it there. as well, right? Right, yeah, and. I haven't tried other like paid tools like Moss or stuff mm -hmm. like that because I don't know if Google has their own tools I don't see like the point or maybe I'm wrong but I don't know mm -hmm. until now I haven't used them right. I don't know if you'll have the chance to use those or yeah um, yeah I've done a lot of you know the SEO side work um, like totally unrelated to translation so like uh, uh link building uh, article writing content marketing um you know stuff like oh, that okay. mm -hmm. we use in zingword we use a tool called uh pro rank tracker uh which is just for tracking the uh the your rankings per per page Okay. Uh, or sorry per keyword actually um but it does it really well it's like you have the mobile app and then you have the online one and it sends you a daily report and um and then you're like me and you're like getting ready for the podcast and you open your email and you're like oh let's look at the daily report and then you're like <laughs> you know rankings are dropping or whatever oh. <laughs> um but uh we use yeah we use rank tracker pro um, there was a time when I used, uh, the Moz, uh, what is this? Like open site explorer or whatever. Uh, and, uh, at that time we used it for trying to find the competitors links. Um, you know, it was for a client, okay. a car rental company. And, um, so I've used that in the past, um, but that's all really unrelated to translation, I think. Um, oh yeah, but the the Pro Rank Tracker, um, it's an interesting tool because it also they've added in something which is like keyword should suggesting. Um, oh cool. And uh, yeah, and it is it is interesting. It's the what I saw so far because we're not on the paid plan, so I don't see everything. But what I saw was actually like. It was it was not the same sort of keywords that Google was suggesting, mm -hmm. Be, you know, because um, well, and Google also turned off the the long tail keywords in your analytics too, so you can't really see how people arrive to your site anymore. So yeah. um, this tool, I at least what I saw, seemed to try to you know help out with that. 
Um, so when you're when you do a SEO translation of a website, um, do you provide uh, other SEO related services afterwards uh, besides the translation? Like. I don't know. It's it's basically what I do is uh, the research, keyword mm-hmm. research. Right. Uh, the, the localization service also is included because yeah. you need it to do SEO and translation at least. And I think a big part, another service maybe related, is copywriting. Right. For me, it's very important because it's basically the same. Mm-hmm. You need to have good content to rank higher. Yeah. Totally. So yeah, it's like that, like you localization write... and copywriting. I include those two. And blog blog posts too, or um, like does it, blog do you? Posts. Yeah, I I do some blog posts. I haven't had the time to do a lot of them. Like mm-hmm. I have a blog in localized Chile, but I have like two posts, for example. Right. And I have some others that are waiting, like undercover. Right, uh, right. But I haven't posted uh, those yet because I haven't had the time. Right. Uh, uh, but I'm planning to, uh, next year, I'm planning to write more. And I also write for like other brands. Yeah. So I don't have really the time to... Mm-hmm. to do stuff for my own life. right right yeah i, I just asked because uh it, it, you know if this is a zing word uh, business advice podcast <laughs> uh that i think that would be a it would be pretty easy to sell that to customers um you know like uh it wouldn't necessarily have to be your own writing either like you could be like okay you know we're gonna translate the site uh we're gonna do all the seo um, but then you could add on ongoing stuff like uh, like tracking the keywords and reporting the the progress, uh, writing right. uh, content, blog posts, influencer marketing stuff, you know. Right. I do use like, I don't know, Google Analytics and I have another uh, how to, extension, like browser extension. Mm-hmm. It's called, uh, I think it's called... Quake, something with Quake. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's uh, a good one. Seal Quake, I yeah. think it's called. That works with Yoast. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, WordPress use, plugin. Yeah, the WordPress plugin. And I use that a lot like, to see how I'm doing and Google Analytics to see how I'm ranking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's fun. But, yeah. It, yeah, it's once easy you to, get, yeah. you get used to it because at first, for me, all this information was very like overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, once you get used to it, it's like yeah, you get a little bit like addicted to to like track information every day. It's like part of your job. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, but like my 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 goal when I do anything with Google Analytics is to get out of there as soon as I can, because <laughs> like you can get lost in there. You know, there's so many different uh, different ways to to see your data and stuff. Um, uh, yeah. In Zingword, I think we're looking forward to using some different analytics platforms now, like uh, Heap. Um, I think is the one that we've settled on, and I'm I'm what I'm hoping is that. Uh, it will be 
a little bit less uh, do-it-yourself, you know, because oh. Google mm-hmm. Analytics is to me is really do-it-yourself. It's like, okay, they have, you know, you know, all these different views or report sort of views. Um, but it's, it's very rare when I click on a view and it shows me exactly what I wanted to see. I almost always have to tinker, change, you know, and, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm really looking forward to trying a different one, uh, after. Yeah, sure. Now it's always good to, to try new things. So I just started doing SEO, like I think a last, last from last year. Mm Mm-hmm. So, and like I said, I don't have like much time to get like to dedicate to that, but mm-hmm. like I only dedicate time when I'm translating something or when I have some free time. Right. So, yeah, but it's always nice to try new things. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you for these tips later on, like the names. Yeah. 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 I'm stuff. here for, I'm here for tips. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm here for SEO tips. Um, website tips. Uh, I don't know. I got, I got tips. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, for my client, uh, Wordbee, uh, cause I, you know, when I'm not working on Zingword, I, I work a lot with a company called Wordbee and, mm-hmm. uh, they make a kind of like a enterprise translation management system. And, uh, so we're translating their website now into French and German, I think is where we're starting. And, uh, yeah, it, it is like, it's pretty, it's a, it's a, it's a big undertaking to, to do that. And, um, also with the production of content, because we want to translate, uh, blog posts, um, from English to the other languages. Uh, but then we also want to have blog posts that are only appearing in the other languages. So, um, mm-hmm. You know, for example, you have post A written in English, so you translate it into German. Um, but then you have post B that you're writing directly in German and you're not going to translate it in, into English at all. Right. Uh, and it, I don't know, it's kind of, uh, it's a, I, I think that you can put as much or as little effort into the SEO and, and to the kind of the organization of your project as as you want to, you know, cause, um, like I, I, I think that a lot of people, when they translate their sites, it's like, oh man, this looks like a huge job and they just kind of run it through and they don't do any SEO at all. They just translate stuff and, and that's yeah, really hit or miss. Yeah. 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 And of course then they lose out on all this, uh, on all this value and then yeah. they have to go back and do the SEO, which probably takes more time than it would have just to do it the first time. Um, hmm. it's an interesting subject, but, uh, the listeners who are businesses, uh, don't need to panic because, uh, we have, uh, professionals like Natalie that will just do it all for you perfectly on the first time. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're here for you. Right, right, right. Uh, so here's a question for you. Uh, when you first uh, start to analyze the keywords, uh, like how how do, how do you go about doing that? Well, it, it depends. Like on the client, some clients like have like extensive SEO uh, work already going. They give you like the the keywords, a set of keywords, and you take those keywords and start analyzing them. What I usually do 
is like see how they behave in the original language, for example, for translation, mm -hmm. and see the results that they get uh, in that language. And then I do like a simple translation of those words, like an obvious translation without thinking. And I analyze the results with that. In the Google Keyword Planner tool. Right, or just in Google. Like oh, right, or just searching them and checking it out and see how they did. Yeah, like a very obvious type of research and simple one. Yeah. Because I don't know really if, the, if those, that translation is going to be a, a good one, right? Yeah. And then I go adapting and using other tools. And I do a lot of brainstorming as well. well for me, in Spanish is like easier, like in the target language. Mm-hmm. So I do this random brainstorming uh, and I throw some ideas. I try, I try some like short tail keywords and long tail keywords and I go like playing mm -hmm. with those. And maybe then I go like into the creative side of it and I kind of like transcreate. I use a little bit of transcreation mm -hmm. or uh, intuition as well. Uh, intuition by intuition, I mean like you have to put yourself in the client's mind. Mm -hmm. So what do you do? Um, what do you do when? I'm just assuming that this happens. Uh, okay. What do you do when you get this list of keywords from your client? Um, you start going through your research processes, and you find out that the client's keywords in I'm assuming usually it's English to Spanish. Right. Um, yes. But what do you do when you find out that their keywords in English are also not not really correct? Do Do you ever discover that? Like, uh, wait, this keyword list kind of sucks. It hasn't. No, I haven't had those kind of results yet. Mm -hmm. uh, but if it happened, I think I would tell them, like, of course, this keyword sucks, and suggest maybe if I can, right? Yeah. Uh, new keywords to start with, uh, but I haven't been in that situation yet. Have you been? Yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah. Um, but that's oh. for a regular SEO, not really for SEO translations. But yeah, like okay. you know, you start working with a new customer, and they're like, "Oh, here's the keywords," and and you get, you know you get that keyword file, and then of course you take those keywords and you start looking them up on Google and throwing them in the keyword planner. And then you're like, oh, wait a second. <laughs> this is uh, this is these keywords are not exactly the right the right keywords. Um, yeah, because you know when you inherit uh, an SEO project or I guess a translation too, you're sort of inheriting someone else's SEO planning. You know, so if, yes. if that person did a good job, then then it should be fine. But if they didn't do a good job, then it could be could be kind of weird. So, uh, so you just left off, uh, you were talking about transcreation. So, um, how, how much transcreation do you, do you do in your website work? I think for keywords, it depends like on mm -hmm. the client, on the product or service, I don't know. Uh, and on the client, of course, what they want, because some clients are very like strict. Yeah. Um, most of them are like very strict for me at least um and they don't require or they don't want a lot of transcreation but what i do is like i think about the buyer's intent for example 
Uh, and that's what I mean by transcreation. It's basically uh, out of the box thinking, right? Yeah. So yeah, that's basically what I do. Yeah, the the definition of transcreation is interesting. Um, you know, like what different people think it is, and uh, also the definitions of of just uh, localization and translation, which. Um, I, I, I tend to fall into the camp of people that just thinks that a good translation is the same thing as a localization. Um, or it, very, it depends, I think. If you're a uh, translator that is uh, very familiar with marketing techniques, mm -hmm. then, of course, you, you almost incorporate uh, those things on your services. Yeah. But if you're not, then things change. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Um, and then with transcreation, it's like, uh, yeah, like in my work as a translator, um, I've you know I've done translations too. I've I've mostly managed translations, but I've I've done quite a few. And uh, like I really like writing in the English language, so I tend to uh, I tend to take a lot of liberties with the <laughs> with the text. And uh, that's cool. That's cool. I mean, I think that most of translators translators, sorry, want that freedom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but clients, oddly enough, don't. And uh, yeah, and it's strange because, uh, like, what I always wanted from translators when in my previous company was that, like, I was like, okay, look, just you know, make this thing really awesome in your in your language, and and uh, you know, don't worry about being too literal about any particular any particular word. Um, yeah. But especially with English translations where it's English to something else uh, or something else to English. It, it, well, something else to English, especially like Spanish to English, because, uh, you know, then everyone speaks the language of the target language and they think they mm -hmm. know uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> the language as, as well as, as you do. But um, yeah. yeah, you know, transcreation and websites is I can see how that goes hand in hand because... Uh, yeah, transcreation has to do for me uh, a lot with copywriting. Mm -hmm. I related a lot with copywriting. It's like because when you translate something, you're thinking about like the um, the original language first, right? Mm -hmm. Rather than the target language. So it's like to edit your translation and incorporate some copywriting, and then you have like transcreation or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, like for this WordBee project, uh, people are people can get very nervous once you start using that word transcreation, too, because like we have to translate it into German and uh, the website oh. is sort of funny, actually, like it's kind of an entertaining site. Uh, they have this little bee guy that's a mascot and he's cool and the text is all like kind of hip and encouraging people to sign up and and now they have to translate it into german and they're like man we can't be hip or fun <laughs> it needs to uh so they said they and then once they decided it was transcreation people got very nervous about it like oh man this isn't just regular translation it's actually transcreation and oh, um I... personally i don't think it's that big of a deal uh no it's not big of a deal but like i said i think that it's because maybe they're not very used to translating some type of content like yeah you know Maybe right. it's because of that. Like in Chile, most translators do technical translation. 
Mm-hmm. So I think that for that kind of translator, it would be like a lot harder to get like a marketing translation or something like with more freedom into it. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. with a clear intention, like you have to sell something, right? So. Yeah, yeah. There are really two different profiles of of translator yes. or person, and uh, well, that's a big goal that we have in Zingword is actually to be able to. Uh, to match up the, you know, what what the client is looking for directly with, with a translator that can can do that, and and I would say that like if you were making like a tree of translators, um, the very first branch of your tree is probably that you know it's like how how much does this translator enjoy rules and uh, and and being literal. And being, mm-hmm. you know, sort of what you might call "quote unquote" accurate um, in the in the measured sense, in a way, or you know, how much does this translator enjoy breaking the rules uh, and being accurate in the uh, global sense? <laughs> right. And uh, it's it's like two totally different kind of people and. And uh, but the world needs both kinds, right? So like you yes. have people that are that are more funky, uh, uh, and you put that that funky translator on your pharmaceutical job. Uh, no, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not gonna go well. <laughs> no, no, something can get something could get wrong there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, of course. We need all kinds of translators. They're all yeah. fine. So, yeah. 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 Cool. Um, well, so uh, when you write copy, uh, you write I, I, mostly copy in in Spanish, I guess, or most copy, yeah, in Spanish. Right. Right. Cool. Cool. And what what do you enjoy more, writing copy or translating? I think for me, it's like I went into writing uh, because I needed more freedom too, mm-hmm. and I like to write always like to to write so i don't know i I really like to translate as well Uh, but i will say that there are two different types of job for me like Mm. writing gives me like the freedom to express you know Mm -hmm. Uh, and translating it's like gives me I, i don't know i'm out of words right now yeah. Do they complement each like, other? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. They do. But translating for me it's like very different. It's like I don't know. I don't know how to say it. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's, it just pushes a different button, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, the the process is totally different. I prepare myself different. Like when I'm going to translate, for example, uh, when I'm translating, I cannot regularly, I cannot listen to music because Mm. I get very distracted. Uh, I'm a a musician also. Cool. Uh, So when I listen to something, I always try to, I'm always focused on the melody, on the song, so I cannot really work well. But... When I'm writing, I always have to listen to something, like mm-hmm. to get inspired or something, like it gets me relaxed. Hmm. Maybe uh, I get more nervous when translating, I don't know. 
Right. Huh. That's interesting. That's a difference for me. I don't know. Musically speaking. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I guess what I do is I just listen to different kinds of music for different tasks. Sometimes I can't have words. Um, but, uh, huh. That's, that's, a, that's an interesting thing. So yeah. what, uh, on the musician front, like what, uh, what do you do? Uh, I play the guitar and I sing. I used to huh. have a band. Now I'm on a solo project and I'm going to start another project if I have time next year. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, if you get bored and you don't have anything to do, you could write a jingle for the Zingword podcast because <laughs> uh, <laughs> we just steal uh, uh, tr tracks from... Uh, well, you, you know, it's it's like impossible to license music, you know, so I, I just look for tracks that I like and I, I just <laughs> stick it in there and I'm like, uh, okay, you know, this is so-and-so and if, if uh, the record label wants to contact me and, and make me take it down, <laughs> you can do that, <laughs> but it would be yeah. better to have a jingle. Let's write a jingle. Well, that must yeah. be hard. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, it'd be, be even short. harder to like uh, SEO you, translate. Do you, do you play jingle. anything? Uh, me? Uh, yeah, I play guitar. Um, I can kind of, kind of sing, kind of. But uh, <laughs> I, it occurred to me actually to write a jingle. Uh, I thought about doing it. I, I think I got as far as like sitting down with my guitar, and then I was like, wait a second, this is a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I wish that I played piano. Uh, piano is perfect for writing jingles. Yeah, on piano for me, I used to play a little bit of piano when I was little, but somehow I kind of forgot everything about it. <laughs> I don't know. Right, right. But yeah. Cool. Well, that's cool. So, uh, and then just out of curiosity, what, what kind of music uh, do you do you play in your band and and in your solo project? I've always played like alternative rock. Uh -huh. And but now I want to go into like because I listen to everything, all kinds of music. Mm -hmm. So I really want to explore other areas, like I don't know, maybe some electronic R and B funk, something mm -hmm. like that. Because right. I've never done something like that. It would be interesting. Or maybe I would just continue with alternative rock. I don't know. Yeah, very Let's cool. See. Yeah, mm -hmm. why not? Uh, why not mix it up a little bit? Yeah, if it doesn't work, I can always go back. So, are you working with electronic stuff in your solo project? Like, do, <laughs> do you have a collection of software and uh, keyboards and all that? Sorry, sorry, I got distracted. But... Um, yeah, do you play um, in your solo project uh, with uh, any any electronic instruments then, like? Uh, and are you recording it yourself and all that, or like what? How, oh, how are you yeah. doing I the do electronic like stuff? The, the demos. I just mm -hmm. use GarageBand because I just want to record something very quick. Right. And if I want to get serious about it, I go to a friend's house and he mm -hmm. uses another more complicated kind of software. Yeah. Uh, like I don't know, Ableton or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So if Ableton is listening or uh, GarageBand or any of those companies, uh, Natalie would do a really great job localizing your website and software. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would love that. 
That's cool. Yeah, I, you know, I did a project like that once. We localized uh, the the user manual for a software called Beatmaker, uh, which is um, you know you can make music on it on your phone or your iPad. Okay. Uh, and it, it was a really cool project. We got this guy. Um, it, we were doing it in Japanese, and uh, I don't know if George is listening. His name is George Murasaki. And uh, he was a, an American guy with Japanese parents. And when he was like 20 or 21, um, he moved to Japan. Um, okay. You know, but he was also a rock and roll guy. Uh, oh, cool. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so his last name was something else. Uh, it wasn't Murasaki, but he changed it to Murasaki, which means purple, uh, because he was a huge Deep Purple fan. Um, <laughs> so he, yeah, he moved to Okinawa. Uh, and he became a translator slash musician uh, in a Deep Purple tribute band and launched this, uh, the Okinawa Rock Festival. Um, anyway, somehow we found uh, George Murasaki to work on this uh, Japanese translation and uh, and it was a really fun project and, and I think it's really cool that he changed his name to Purple. Yeah, um, so <laughs> <laughs> that's very unusual. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's a cool guy. He had a cool story. But, uh, yeah, well, you know, it's good to have hobbies. So like for translators too, it's good to have hobbies. I mean, you can, it expands your, your ability to, to do stuff. So like yes. copywriting and, and, and translating, but also music and translating and music and copywriting and cooking or whatever, whatever things that, that we do, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It affects our work somehow. Yeah. 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 It can do more, more stuff more more kinds of translations yeah and you can understand things better especially if you're doing marketing type right. things. yeah Very but cool. most of my i don't know uh, classmates mm -hmm. at the university most translators were into like very into music yeah uh, most of them were musicians that was very cool i think huh. something to do with language yeah that directly relates to music or i don't know huh yeah i wouldn't have guessed that i mean um like we have the we have i think 1800 twitter followers mm -hmm. something like that and uh you know analytics uh twitter has an analytics platform it's yeah you, you it's analytics.twitter.com right and uh and it shows you like the the things that people are interested in that are your followers and um and translators on there, they seem to be mostly interested in the news. Uh, really? Yeah, news, well, technology, well. learning languages, and uh, and strangely enough, uh, soap operas. Um, soap. <laughs> yeah. Well. well, not everyone. Like fifteen percent, but the okay. average population is like three percent. So translators like soap operas more than the average uh, person, which. Kind of would have not guessed that, um, but music. Uh, I'm not really sure where music was on there, but I I didn't seem to jump out. Wow. Maybe it's a Chilean translator trait. Maybe, maybe I don't know. But hmm. yeah, at least in my university, where most uh, most of my classmates were musicians too. So that right. was very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fun. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, we would love to hear your your. Are you gonna have a record? I don't know. I have some some stuff recorded. Yeah. Uh, 
but I'm planning to do my solo project right now. But uh-huh. I don't know. Life changes every day. Yeah, so yeah. So I can say this right now, but I don't know what's gonna happen really. But right. I'm really trying to. Well, if we have the opportunity to um, to listen to something, uh, we will have you back on the podcast, and we will we will do a podcast <laughs> all about whatever uh, whatever album or record or or tunes or whatever you whatever you came up with. Cool. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fun. It doesn't. We don't have to always talk about translation over here. Um, yeah. So, um, oh, okay, cool. Well, I'm out of uh, I'm out of topics today. Uh, it was great to have you on the show. It was a cool conversation. Yeah. Thank you uh, for having. Me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no <laughs> this problem. This is my first podcast ever. So. Yeah, yeah. This is my first one in a while as well. So I'm also, I think, a little bit rusty. <laughs> uh, with my with my interview and techniques, but right. um, uh, yeah, so I hope we inspired someone to get into SEO translation. Um, hope so. That was the the goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People shouldn't panic, uh, even though it's it's kind of complicated. So you know you can definitely get into it. Um, yeah. So and you are Natalie Toledo with Localized Chile. Um, yeah. Any companies that need some translations into Chilean Spanish uh, and they want to make sure their SEO is done right the first time should get in contact with you. Totally. Or Latin Latin American Spanish as well. Yes, yes. Not also Latin American Spanish, sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yep. Well, thank can you, you, Robert. Was... Can you do Spain Spanish too? Like, do you ever try to like fake it? Uh, no, no. Okay. I think it's totally different. Yeah, like, yeah, I can I do like neutral idea. Spanish maybe. Yeah. But Spain Spanish, yeah, it's very different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have all those strange phrases and like. I've uh, never personally been into Spain, so it would be kind of, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Awkward. Well, they they say the strangest things, so. Um. <laughs> yeah, I imagine they do. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So uh, let's conclude here. Uh, I'm gonna go uh, back into my day here. I think it's uh, like minus 15 degrees Celsius, so I'm gonna oh. bundle up and take off. Here is very hot, very warm. <laughs> Lucky you. A very cool day. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're gonna go to the beach or whatever. Right. Not really, but yeah, I, I'm gonna say that to sound cool. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna pretend like it's true so that. Yeah. I have of hope. course. Gonna have yeah. some beers right now the beach and stuff yeah and not yeah, work exactly. not work at all no 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 yeah. the, the translation work does itself right yeah of course <laughs> cool all right so thanks for coming on the show thank you for inviting me it was a pleasure yep bye bye okay bye <laughs>